0: You can catch up on all the latest Alliance Audio episodes wherever you find podcasts, or you could download the Spotify app on your device for free. Be sure to follow Alliance Audio for notifications every time we release. Hiya, welcome to episode 5, part 2 of chapter 4. That was quite a few numbers I had to say there. If you haven't seen part 1, what are you doing? Listen to that one first, or don't but listen to that first. Otherwise, this won't make any sense at all. Uh, enjoy. Dumbledore smiled at Harry and directed him toward a chair, not unlike the one that Slughorn had so recently impersonated, which stood right beside the newly burning fire and a brightly glowing oil lamp. Harry took the seat with the distinct impression that Dumbledore, for some reason, wanted to keep him as visible as possible. Suddenly, when Slughorn, who had been busy with decanters and glasses, turned to face the room again, his eyes immediately fell upon Harry. Humph, he said, looking quickly, as though frightened of hurting his eyes. Here, he gave a drink to Dumbledore, who had sat down without invitation, thrust the tray at Harry, and then sank onto the cushions of the prepared sofa in a disgruntled silence. His legs were so short they did not touch the floor. "'Well, how have you been keeping, Horace?' Dumbledore asked. "'Not so well,' said Slughorn at once. "'Weak chest. Wheezy. Rehumanitisation, too. Can't move like I used to.' "'Well, that's to be expected. Old age. Fatigue. "'And yet you must have moved fairly quickly to prepare such a welcome for us at such short notice,' said Dumbledore. "'You can't have had more than three minutes' warning.' Slughorn said, half irritably, half proudly. Two, didn't hear my intruder chum go off, I was taking a bath. Still, he added sternly, seeming to pull himself back together again. The fact remains that I'm an old man, I was. A tired old man who's earned the right to a quiet life and a few creature comforts. He certainly had those, thought Harry, looking around the room. It was stuffy and cluttered, yet nobody could say it was uncomfortable. There were soft chairs and footstools, drinks and books, boxes of chocolates and plump cushions. If Harry had not known who lived there, he would have been he would have guessed at a rich, fussy old lady. You're not as you're not yet as old as I am, Horace, said Dumbledore. Well, maybe you ought to think about retirement yourself, said Slughorn bluntly. His pale gooseberry eyes had found Dumbledore's injured hand. Reaction's not what they were, I see. You're quite right, said Dumbledore serenely, shaking back his sleeve to reveal the tips of those burnt and blackened fingers. The sight of them made Harry's back prickle unpleasantly. I'm undoubtedly slower than I was. But on the other hand, he shrugged and spread his hands wide, as though to say that old age had its compensations, and Harry noticed a ring on his uninjured hand that he had never seen Where him where before. It was large, rather clumsily made of what looked like gold, and was set with a heavy black stone that someone had cracked down the middle. Slughorn's eyes lingered for a moment on the ring too, and Harry saw a tiny frown momentarily crease his wide forehead. So, these precautions against intruders, Horace, are they for the Death Eaters' benefit or mine? asked Dumbledore. "'What would the Death Eaters want with a poor, broken-down old buffer like me?' demanded Slughorn. "'I imagine that they would want you to turn into your considerable talents to coercion, torture, and murder,' said Dumbledore. "'Are you really telling me that they haven't come recruiting yet?' Slughorn eyed Dumbledore, layfully for a moment, then muttered, "'I haven't given them the chance. I've been on the move for a year, never stay in one place more than a week.' Move from Muggle House to Muggle House. The owners of this place are on a holiday in the Canary Islands. It's been very pleasant. Are we sorry to leave? It's quite easy once you know how. One simple freezing charm on those absurd burglar alarms they use instead of sneakoscopes. Make sure the neighbors don't spot you bringing in the piano. Ingenious, said Dumbledore. But it sounds a rather tiring existence for a broken old damn buffer search for quiet life now if you were to return to hogwarts if you're going to tell me my life would be more peaceful at the pestilential school you can save your breath albus i might have been in hiding but some funny rumors have reached me since Dolores umbridge left if that's how you treat teachers these days professor umbridge ran afoul of our center herd," said dumbledore I think you, Horace, would have known better than to stride into the forest and call a horde of angry centaurs, filthy half-breeds. That's what she said, did she? said Slughorn. Idiotic woman, never liked her. Harry chuckled, and both Dumbledore and Slughorn looked round at him. Sorry, said Harry hastily, it's just, I don't like her either. Dumbledore stood up rather suddenly. Are you leaving? asked Slughorn at once, looking hopeful. "'No, I was wondering whether I might use your bathroom,' said Dumbledore. "'Oh,' said Slughorn, clearly disappointed. Second on the left down the hall. Dumbledore strode from the room. Once the door had closed behind him, there was silence. After a few moments, Slughorn got to his feet, but seemed uncertain what to do with himself. He shot a furtive look at Harry, and crossed to the fire and turned his back on it, warming his wide behind. Don't think I don't know why he brought you, he said abruptly. Harry merely looked at Slughorn. Slughorn's watery eyes slid over Harry's scar, this time taking in the rest of his face. You look very like your father. Yeah, I've been told, said Harry. Except for your eyes, you've got my mother's eyes, yeah. Harry had heard it so often that he found it a bit wearing. Yes, well, you shouldn't have favourites as a teacher, of course, but she was one of mine. Your mother, Slughorn added in answer to Harry's questioning look. Lily Evans, one of the brightest I ever taught. Vivacious, you know, charming girl. I used to tell her she ought to have been in my house. Very cheeky answers I used to get back too. Which was your house? I was head of Slytherin, said Slughorn. "'Oh, now,' he went on quickly, seeing the expression on Harry's face and wagging a stubby finger at him. "'Don't go holding that against me. You'll be Gryffindor like her, I suppose.' "'Yes, it usually goes in families. Not always, though. I've heard of Sirius Black. He must have been in the papers for the last couple of years. Died a few weeks ago. It was as though an invisible hand had twisted Harry's intestines and held them tight. "'Well, anyway, he was a big pal of your father's school.' whole black family had been in my house, but Sirius ended up in Gryffindor. Shame, he was a talented boy. I got his brother Regulus when he came along, but I'd have liked the set. He sounded like an enthusiastic collector who had been outbid at auction. Apparently lost in memories, he gazed at the opposite wall, turning idly on the spot to ensure an even heat on his backside. <sighs> Your mother was muggle-born, of course couldn't believe it when I found out. Thought she must have been pure blood. She was so good. One of my best friends is Muggleborn," said Harry. She's the best in our year. Funny how that sometimes happens, isn't it? said Slughorn. Not really, said Harry coldly. Slughorn looked down at him in surprise. You mustn't think I'm prejudiced, he said. No, 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 no. Haven't I just said your mother was one of my all-time favourite students? There was Duck Cresswell in the year after, too, now head of the Goblin Lysen office. Of course, another Muggleborn, a very gifted student, and he still gives me excellent inside information on the goings on at Gringotts. He bounced up and down a little, smiling in a self satisfied way, and pointed at the many glittering photograph frames on the dresser, each people with tiny moving occupants. All next students, all signed. You'll notice Barnabas Kewth, editor of the Daily Prophet, he's always interested to hear my take on the daily news. And Ambrosius Flume, of Honeydukes, hamper every birthday, and all because I was able to give an introduction to Cicero and Harkis, who gave him his first job. And at the back, you'll see her if you just crane her neck. That's Gwenna. Jones, who of course is captain of the Hollyhead Harpies. People are always astonished to hear I'm on first name terms with the Harpies and free tickets whenever I want them. This thought seemed to cheer him up enormously. All these people know where to find you, to send you stuff, asked Harry who could not help wondering why the Death Eaters had not yet tracked down Slughorn if hampers of sweets, Quidditch tickets, and visitors craving his advice and opinions could find him. The smile slid from Slughorn's face as quickly as the blood from his walls. Of course not, he said, looking down at Harry. I've been out of touch with everybody for a year. Harry had the impression that the word shocked Slughorn himself. He looked quite unsettled for a moment. Then he shrugged. Still, the prudent wizard keeps his head down in such times. All very well for Dumbledore to talk, but taking up a post at Hogwarts just now would be tantamount to declaring my public allegiance to the Order of the Phoenix. And while I'm sure they're very admirable and brave and all the rest of it, I don't personally fancy the mortality rate. You don't have to join the Order to teach at Hogwarts, said Harry. Who could not quite keep a note of derision out of his voice? It was hard to sympathise with Slughorn's closeted existence when he remembered Sirius crouching in a cave and living on rats. Most of the teachers aren't in it, and none of them has ever been killed. Well, unless you count Quirrell, and he got what he deserved, seeing as he was working with Voldemort. Harry had been sure Slughorn would be one of those wizards who could not bear to hear Voldemort's name spoken aloud, and was not disappointed. Slughorn gave a shudder and a squawk of protest, which Harry ignored. I reckon the staff is safer than most people, are," Dumbledore's headmaster. He's supposed to be the only one Voldemort ever feared, isn't he? Harry went on. I'm so out of breath. Slughorn gazed into space for a moment or two. He seemed to be thinking of Harry's words. Well, yes, it is true that he who must not be named has ever sought a fight with Dumbledore, he muttered grudgingly. And I suppose no one can argue that, as I have not joined the Death Eaters, he who must not be named can hardly count me a friend. Which, In which case, I might well be safer, a little closer to Halbus. I cannot pretend that Amelia Bone's death did not shape me. If she, with all her ministry contacts and protection, Dumbledore re-entered the room, and Slughorn jumped, as though he had forgotten he was in the house. Oh, there you are, Albus, he said. You've been a very long time, upset stomach. No, I was merely reading the Muggle magazines, said Dumbledore. I do love knitting patterns. Well, Harry, we have trespassed upon Horace's hospitality quite long enough. I think it is time for us to leave. Not at all reluctant to obey, Harry jumped his feet. Slughorn sinned and taken aback. You're leaving? Yes, indeed. I think I know what a lost cause is when I see one. Lost? Slughorn seemed agitated. He twiddled his fat thumbs and fidgeted as he watched Dumbledore fasten his travelling cloak and Harry zip up his jacket. Well, I'm sorry you don't want the job, Horace, said Dumbledore, raising his uninjured hand in a farewell salute. Hogwarts would have been glad to see you back again. Our greatly increased security, notwithstanding, you'll always be welcome to visit, should you wish to. Yes, well, very gracious, as I, as I say. Goodbye, then. Bye, said Harry. They were all at the front door, when there was a shout from behind them. Right, all right, I'll do it. Dumbledore turned to see Slughorn, standing breathless in the doorway to the sitting room. You will come out of retirement? Yes, yes, said Slughorn impatiently. I must be mad, but yes. Wonderful, said Dumbledore, beaming. Then, Horace, we shall see you on the 1st of September. Yes, I dare say you will, granted Slughorn. As they set off down the garden path, Slughorn's voice floated after them. i want a pay rise, Dumbledore! Dumbledore chuckled. The garden gate sw- swung shut behind them, and they set off back down the hill through the dark and swirling mist. Well done, Harry, said Dumbledore. I didn't do anything, said Harry in surprise. Oh yes, you did. You showed Horace exactly how much he stands to gain by returning to Hogwarts. Did you like him? Uh... Harry wasn't sure whether he liked Slughorn or not. He supposed he had been pleasant in his way, but he'd also seemed vain and whatever he said to the contrary, much too surprised that a muggle should make a good witch. Horace, said Dumbledore, relieving Harry of the responsibility to say any of this, likes his comfort. He also likes the company of the famous, the successful, and the powerful. He enjoys the feeling that he influences these people. He has never wanted to occupy the throne himself. He prefers the back seat, more room to spread out, you see. He used to handpick favourites at Hogwarts, sometimes for their ambition or their brains, but sometimes for their charm or their talent. And he had an uncanny knack for choosing those who had gone to become outstanding in their various fields. Horace formed a kind of club of his favourites with himself at the centre making introductions, forging useful contacts between members, and always repaying some kind of benefit in return, whether a free box of his favourite crystallised pineapple, or the chance to recommend the next junior member of the Goblin Liaison office. Harry had a sudden, sudden and vivid mental image of a great swollen spider spinning a web around it, twitching a thread, and there spring its large, juicy flies a little closer. <sighs> I tell you all this dumbledore continued not to turn you against horace or as we must now call him professor slughorn but to put it on your guard he will undoubtedly try to collect you harry you'll be the jewel of his collection the boy who lived or as they call you these days the chosen one at these words, a chill that had nothing to do with the surrounding mist stole over harry he was reminding of words that he had heard a few weeks ago, words that had a horrible and particular meaning to him. Neither can live while the other survives. Dumbledore had stopped walking, level with the church they had passed earlier. This will do, Harry, if you will grasp my arm. Brace this time. Harry was ready for the apparition, but, it's, but still found it unpleasant. When the pressure disappeared and he found himself able to breathe again, he was standing in a country lane beside Dumbledore and looking ahead to the crooked silhouette of his second favourite building in the world, the borough. In spite of the feeling of dread that had swept through him, his spirits could not help but lift at the sight of it. Ron was there, and so was Mrs. Weasley, who could cook better than anyone he knew. If you don't mind, Harry, said Dumbledore, as they passed through the gate, I'd like a few words with you before we part. In private. "'Perhaps here?' Dumbledore pointed towards a run-down stone outhouse, where the Weasleys kept their broomsticks. A little puzzled, Harry followed Dumbledore through the creaking door space to a little smaller-than-average cupboard. Dumbledore illuminated the tip of his wand, so that it glowed like a torch, and smiled down at Harry. "'I hope you will forgive me for mentioning it, Harry, but I am pleased and a little proud at how well you seem to be coping after everything that happened at the Ministry.' Permit me to say that I think Sirius would have been proud of you. Harry swallowed. His voice seemed to have deserted him. He did not think he could stand to ever discuss Sirius. It had been painful enough to hear Uncle Vernon say, His Godfather was dead, and even worse to hear Sirius's name thrown out casually by a slughorn. It was cruel, said Dumbledore softly, that you and Sirius had such a short time together. A brutal ending to what should have been a long and happy relationship. Harry nodded, his eyes fixed resolutely on the spider, now climbing Dumbledore's hat. He could tell that Dumbledore understood, that he might even suspect that, until his letter arrived, Harry had spent nearly all his time at the Dursleys, lying on his bed, refusing meals, and staring at the misted window, full of the chill emptiness that he had come to associate with Dementors. "'It's just hard,' said Harry finally, in a low voice." to realise he won't write to me again. His eyes burned suddenly, and he blinked. He felt stupid for admitting it, but the fact that he had someone outside Hogwarts who cared about what happened to him, almost like a parent, had been one of the best things about discovering his godfather, and now the post-hours would never bring him that comfort again. Sirius represented much to you that you had never known before, said Dumbledore gently. Naturally, the loss is devastating. But while I was at the Dursleys, interrupted Harry, his voice growing stronger, I realised I can't shut myself away or, or crack up. Sirius wouldn't have wanted that, would he? And anyway, life's too short. Look at Madden Bones. Look at Emmeline Vance. It could be me next, couldn't it? But if it is, he said fiercely, now looking straight into Dumbledore's blue eyes, gleaming in the wand light, I'll make sure I take as many Death Eaters with me as I can and more Voldemort too, if I can manage it. Spoken both like your mother and father's son, and Sirius's true godson, said Dumbledore, the, with an approving pat on Harry's back. I take my hat off to you, or I would if I were not afraid of showering you in spiders. And now, Harry, on a closely related subject, I gather that you have been taking the daily profit over the last two weeks. Yes, said Harry and his heart beat a little faster. Then you will have seen that there have been not so much leaks as floods concerning your adventure in the Hall of Prophecy. Yes, said Harry, and now everyone knows that I'm the one. No, they do not, interrupted Dumbledore. There are only two people in the world who know the full contents of the prophecy made about your Lord Voldemort and they are both standing in a smelly, spidery broom shed. It is true, however, that many have guessed correctly that Voldemort sent his Death Eaters to steal prophecy, and that the prophecy concerned you. Now I think that I am correct in saying that you have not been told by anybody that you know what the prophecy said. No, said Harry. A wise decision on the whole, said Dumbledore although I think you ought to relax it in the favour of your friends, Mr Ronald Weasley and Miss Hermione Granger. Yes, he continued, when Harry looked startled. I think they ought to know. You do you do them a disverse by not confiding something this important to them. I didn't want to worry or frighten them, said Dumbledore, surveying Harry on the top of his half-moon spectacles, or perhaps to confess that you yourself were worried and frightened. You need your friends, Harry. As you so rightly said, Sirius would not have wanted to you to shut yourself away. Harry said nothing, but Dumbledore did not seem to require an answer. He continued, on a different thought, um, on a different, though related subject. Is it my wish that you take private lessons with me this year? Private? With, with you? said Harry. "'surprised out of his preoccupied silence. "'Yes, I think it is time that I took a great hand in your education. "'What will you be teaching me, sir?' "'Oh, a little bit of this, a little bit of that,' said Dumbledore airily. "'Harry waited hopefully, but Dumbledore did not elaborate, "'so he asked something else that had been bothering him slightly. "'If I'm having lessons with you, "'I won't have to do oculomancy lessons with Snape, will I?' Professor Snape, Harry, and no, you will not. Good, said Harry in relief, because they were... uh... He stopped, careful not to say what he really thought. I think the word fiasco would be a good one here, said Dumbledore, nodding. Harry laughed. Well, that means I won't see much Professor Snape from now on, he said because you won't let me carry on potions lest I get outstanding in my OWL, which I know I haven't. Don't count on your hours before they are delivered, said Dumbledore gravely, which, now I think of it, ought to be some time later today. Now, two more things, Harry, before we part. Firstly, I wish you to keep your invisibility cloak with you at all times from this moment onward, even within Hogwarts itself, just in case you understand me, Harry nodded. And lastly, while you stay here, the borough has been given the highest security the Ministry of Magic can provide. These measures have caused a certain amount of inconvenience to Arthur and Molly. All of their post, for instance, is being searched at the Ministry before being sent on. They do not mind in the slightest, for their only concern is your safety. However, it would be poor repayment if you risked your neck while staying with them. I understand, said Harry quickly. Very well, then, said Dumbledore, pushing open the broom shed and stepping out into the yard. I see a light in the kitchen. Let us not deprive Molly any longer of the chance to deplore how thin you are. Okay, so that's the end. I have no idea why I'm so out of breath. I'm not usually this out of (sighs) breath. Okay, I think that's a good note to end on uh be sure to follow alliance audio on spotify so that you get a notification every single time we upload ciao ciao